Hello, hello, hello. Greetings from Marauder Territory. This is Emily Drum, class of 2001. Today I bring to you a special episode between myself and the very talented Valerie Cohen Townsend. Val, as most people know her, was inducted into the third class of the Menachee High School Athletic Hall of Fame on Saturday, April 13th, 2019. During her time at Menachee High School, Val was a competitive and talented volleyball, basketball, and track star, setting records in track for multiple years. And after Menachee High School, Val went on to play at Cal State University Bakersfield, where she earned top honors and even won a Division II national championship. She was named CSUB's first All-American and was selected to the all-tournament teams at the NCAA Elite Eight and also the Air Force Premier. After college, she competed in the USA Volleyball Open Championships and coached internationally at the Global Challenge for several years. Val began her volleyball coaching career in 1990 and since 2000 has served as the head coach and professor of physical education at Pomona Pitzer Colleges in Claremont, California. 2015, she married Don Townsend in Hawaii and has a stepson, Drew. We hope you enjoy the show today. And just as a reminder, if you would like to meet us at Menachee and take a walk down memory lane, give us a call, send us an email, or text message. Let us know. We would love to have you back on campus. Stay golden. From Menachee High School, this is Emily Drum, and today my guest is Valerie Cohen Townsend. Hello, Valerie. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Valerie, I'm just going to ask you a few questions, and I just want you to reflect on your experiences at Menachee High School. So my first question is, what was your experience like um, at Menachee? What were some of your experiences like, um, and did you always plan on attending Menachee? <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky question. Um, I actually had a great experience at Menachee. I uh, grew up in Porterville. I guess at the time not really realizing that Menachee was the new school because my brother and sister were eight and ten years older than me. So um, they both came here. I knew immediately that I was coming to Menachee. Part of that, um, since you have Vanny in your blood, um, I followed, our, our family followed uh, Menachee wrestling. So obviously that was the era of dominance. <laughs> and so, you know, being part of that and following, following all the sports here. I just, there, I couldn't picture myself anywhere else. So I knew I was coming to Menachee and I just, I had a blast with it. Um, what are some of your best memories, if you could narrow it down? One or two memories that just stick out in your mind as being the best? I think that um, best memories, a lot of it um, has to do with just your teammates and the teams you played with and the uh, memories you shared with them. For instance, uh, with volleyball, there were always a few of us that went to um, some summer camps, like at Cal Poly Slow or at Pepperdine. Um, gosh, I have to remember Paula Zaninovich was one, and Lori Merrill, and I think Andrea Hevner. We'd go to camps and um, spend some time over summer and then come back, get ready for volleyball season. So we'd go make our own memories at those camps and then bring it back uh, for our volleyball season. But also, like with basketball, Coach Hevner always took us to um, camps as well. We went down to San Diego. Um, I think something I shared at the alum or the Hall of Fame banquet was the fact that um, 
when we went to a basketball camp in San Diego, Kathy Rush basketball camp. He took all of us there and then we were able to stay an extra day and go hang out at the beach. And uh, one of our teammates, Lynn Eisner, who um, is very fair skinned, got fried at the beach. And just looking back, talking to Andrea and, and shoot, Aaron Hunsdorfer, Deanna Bernasconi, they all, it was all part of us taking care of Lynn because she could not sleep and we had to keep her in a bathtub full of cold water to try and cool off that poor sunburn. Um, so it was, you know, us taking care of each other and again, experiences just as a team getting out and doing some fun things. So um, I do remember that one vividly. <laughs> oh, that poor girl. Yes. You talked about volleyball a little bit. Can you tell us what sports you played at what levels um, you played and maybe some of the accomplishments, not only of yourself, but maybe some of your teams? So while I was here at Menachee, um, I was a three-sport athlete. I played volleyball. Uh, my freshman year, I was on Frosh Soft and then made it to varsity the final three years. Um, basketball, I was uh, on varsity for three years, my sophomore to senior year. Um, freshman year, I, my dreams of being a varsity wrestling stat came true. So I did that. And then, uh, and then I was just motivated to always play sports, so I transitioned into playing basketball and then uh, was varsity track for the four years I was here. With volleyball, it was always a battle with Tulare Union. Um, that's what I remember from back in the day. And I was lucky because I stole a scholarship from a Tulare Union girl when the coaches were there watching that match and watching her. So I was fortunate to outplay her that day, and I took her, I took her scholarship, which I'm glad I did. <laughs> Worked out for the best for me. Um, with basketball, we, uh, I remember our senior year, we got into postseason and played down at North uh, Bakersfield. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun getting to go postseason with that. And then in track, I was always, I grew up running track. Um, I actually, after school sports was big when I was, when I was in elementary school. So at West Putnam, from fourth grade on, that's what I did. I went volleyball, basketball, track, into softball. Um, all the way through eighth grade. So um, it was kind of nice because I had just already been doing it. And I was fortunate that I had a, a teacher when I was younger, Mr. Bolton at West Putnam, who really pushed me into AAU track, which was, um, I mean, mom and dad taking me everywhere, <laughs> shuttling us around to, to meets and to Larry and Visalia and wherever else. Um, so I was actually, I got to start with track at a really early age and, and more experience as far as that goes. Um, so when I got to Menachee, um, I was actually better at track than the other sports, um, just by pure doing it all the time and, and getting out and being able to do those extra things. So I was fortunate that I got to set some records here and then break my own records in the 100 and 200 and then, uh, and then get to move on and, and go into college. And I did have coaches that wanted me to, to throw javelin in track because it was a similar motion to a volleyball arm swing. But I was all volleyball all day. <laughs> I'm not going to challenge you for a foot race right now. You probably win. No, I, I don't think so. Um, where did you go after Menachee? What was your journey like? You know, it was really interesting because looking back, um, I don't really remember um, thinking, what am I going to do after Menachee? I think in my head, you know, my mom worked books at, at – uh, Sunkissed and, and did a lot of book work for, for companies, and I just automatically thought that's what my next step. I'm going to get into business and do do books, and I was okay with math, um, although now and then I'll, I'll misspeak, and everyone jokes with me about how good I am at math. <laughs> 
But um, I was fortunate, like I said, to get that scholarship, and I ended up going to Cal State Bakersfield. Um, at the time, it was just CSB. There was no university involved. Um, but I, I was lucky because um, I got to go on and do what I love, and that was continue to play volleyball. Um, so I, I got down there, and we uh, were in a really tough conference um, that covered all of Southern California. So from Bakersfield, it was always a two, two and a half hour bus ride, or not bus ride, van ride, let me get that right, van ride, um, down to LA and, and coming back two or three times a week. So um, just just loved doing that. And I was very fortunate that my sophomore year, um, Dave Rubio was brought in as the new coach. And he had reminded me of a coach I had at um, one of the camps that I went to that I mentioned at Cal Poly. Um, Hugh Gerhardt was the Cuesta coach back in those days. And he uh, he was tough on us at camp. I mean, he'd make us go run those stairs. I think everyone knows about the stairs at Cal Poly. So we'd, if we got in trouble, we had to go run up those stairs and come back down at camp. And um, But he, you know, he just worked us hard and, and expected the best from us. And I was fortunate that Dave came in and with a very similar mentality. And he took a program that was at the bottom of our conference my freshman year to winning a national championship my senior year. So in three years, the turnaround was phenomenal. And I still speak to him to this day. I'll call him for advice. I run into him recruiting at tournaments and, and uh, pick his brain and also reminisce about things we did back in the 80s that <laughs> may or may not be acceptable now. Um, and just I have fun with it. And I love that I was able to have a relationship with my coach that continues 30 years later. Um, and uh, I want that for not only for myself and like I still talk to my teammates. We just had an alumni event at Bakersfield last weekend or two weekends ago. And um, it was just really fun to see everyone and hang out. And we always, if anybody's in somebody's neck of the woods, we're texting each other and getting together. So I think it's really fun. And that's something that I appreciate as a former student athlete and want for the student athletes I coach now. Um. How would your classmates or teammates, because teams seem to be so um, important in your life, how would your classmates or teammates remember you, your personality? <laughs> um, well, I was definitely competitive, and it doesn't go away. I turned 51 later this month, and it does not go away. And I think that's something that um, I still benefit from, because as a coach, I don't want to lose. And all of my student athletes are very aware that I don't want to lose. I've been, uh, I've been, I've had some former players that when I jump in at practice at, at school, which I haven't done in a few years, but I did, uh, they they just always told me, they're like, Val, when you step on the court, coaching goes out the window. And I'm like, yeah, I want to win. <laughs> so, so they know it's like, as soon as I cross that line and step on as a player, forget it. I'm going out to win. Um, so I, I, uh, I really enjoy the fact that I can still do that. So what was your journey like after you left Bakersfield, um, and where are you now? So after Bakersfield, um, it's actually interesting. I have a senior that's graduating right now that was having a little bit of, uh, she struggled with the fact that she's done with volleyball. And I specifically remember when I was done with volleyball having that moment where I was like, what do I do now? I'm so used to playing sports and having that as a part of my life on a daily basis. Um, and it's really kind of hits home that you're like, oh, there actually has to be a next step. So um, it was, I again was fortunate, I think, um, when uh, Rubio came in to coach, he, and I, like I said, I started off as a business person and I wanted to get, I was like, I'm gonna sit behind a desk and do books. 
And as it progressed, I was like, well, I don't really see myself sitting behind a desk all the time doing books. And Rubio started some volleyball camps. And I tell you, from the first day we had one, I was like, this is what I want to do. So I changed my major, got into that. And uh, so I was lucky because right after I graduated, I actually assisted um, at the high school, at North High School in Bakersfield. I was still finishing up some stuff, so I assisted there. Um, from that, I actually ended up <clears throat> moving to Australia. And, um, and I actually ended up playing in a, a women's league down there and coaching at one of the high schools. Um, but then it brought, I, you know, I'm tight with my family. That's kind of far away. Um, and so we, I came back and ended up actually working behind a desk at an accounting firm, actually as a receptionist. Um, and then um, I actually started coaching at PC for a little bit, which is where Rosie and I cross paths, your current coach. Um, and so it was really fun for me because I feel like Porterville is kind of a diamond in the rough that there's a lot of really nice student athletes that come out of Porterville that aren't necessarily known because we're a smaller community and sometimes it just takes being in the right place at the right time like I was um, and so it's it's kind of nice because I got to coach some really great um, youth here at PC again doing what I love and I actually at the time was not very far removed from from their age group but you know, I had I got to coach people like Tiffany Alkire and Jamie Ruckman and Mindy Maraboho and Erica John, who had been at Strathmore, and and Rosie was one of my last ones when I was at PC before I left. And so it, it's really was really fun for me, and I loved being able to come back to PC and give back to the community, and again do what I love, um, and give them opportunities that maybe I didn't have because I had some that went on and played. Um, at different Cal State Hayward or, or just different places so it was fun to be able to share and help help them do that after PC I actually um, ended up coaching for a year I wanted to kind of test the water see if I wanted to go at a higher level um, ended up at University of Evansville in Indiana for a year as the assistant coach found out that division one wasn't exactly what I wanted um, a lot of that had to do with I, I played sports for the love of playing sports and I still I coach for the love of the sport, and um, when I was at when I was coaching Division One, I, I didn't necessarily get that feeling from everybody on the teams. I kind of felt like there were some who were oh I've got a scholarship kind of you owe me, and it just left a really bad taste in my mouth. So I knew that D one was not for me. I ended up again and then I'm out in Indiana far away from my family. <laughs> so so being a small town girl, I'm like I got to get back. Um, I actually lucked out and came back and um, just kept throwing out my application at a lot of places and Pomona Pitzer where I currently am um, I had no division three experience and division three is a high academic setting um, no scholarships so it's a place where they want to play they're there obviously for the academics but they also have a love for the sport that they want to play and they want to put in the work so when I applied to that job I kind of went over and walked on campus to deliver my application just to kind of get a feel. And I walked on that campus. You don't know you're in LA. So we're in a small town of Claremont, which is a very, uh, very much a throwback um, as far as the streets are lined with houses that were built in the 50s, 40s and 50s. They're expected to keep the houses that way in our, it's called the village, which is immediately surrounding our, our campus. Um, so it's really kind of nice because it is a smaller community I would say it's kind of a college town because where I coach Pomona Pitzer, it's actually two schools. Um, we're part of a five college consortium. 
um, that are all very highly academic schools, and those schools include Pomona College, which was a founding member, um, built in the late 1800s. Um, Claremont McKenna is one. Harvey Mudd is our, the engineering school there. Scripps, I always laugh. I'm like, Scripps is the all-female school. That's all I got for you. <laughs> and then Pitzer was the most recent addition in the 60s. It was added. So Pomona and Pitzer combined for athletics, and then Claremont McKenna, Harvey Mudd, and Scripps combined for another athletic program. And that is uh, commonly known as the Sixth Street Rivalry because that's the street that kind of divides our campuses, mm -hmm. our athletic facilities, I should say. But it's really a neat situation because um, at Pomona Pitzer and at the Claremont Colleges, the kids, even though they have their home school, they can take classes at all the campuses. So there's a lot of cross enrollment as far as that goes. I always laugh with my girls. I'm like, if I had a, an enemy in, the, in my class, <laughs> I could have no part of that. <laughs> Looking across the aisle and seeing someone who plays on the, on the CMS volleyball team as opposed to our team would be rough for me. In fact, the way the campuses are laid out Pomona and Pitzer are separated by Claremont McKenna, so if you want to walk up to that campus, you have to go across theirs. And I just cringe every time I have to walk through there. <laughs> and I shouldn't. I actually get along very well with the Claremont coach and actually all of our conference coaches, but it's just that competitive, they're the enemy. <laughs> I love that competitive nature about you, though. That's what, make, that's what distinguishes you as a coach, I'm sure. Um, we've been talking about coaching I'm talking about your coaches a little bit, but is there a coach that maybe you haven't mentioned that has, or, or even a teacher from Menachee or throughout your experiences that really stands out that had an impact, maybe a conversation or a game that in your mind just takes you back to that time period that really influenced your competitiveness and your performance? You know, it's interesting because at Menachee, I was here at a great time where we had a lot of great teachers that really showed an interest in us um, both academically and athletically. Hevner always stands out for me. Um, he was my basketball coach. He kind of coerced me into coming out and playing basketball um, and getting a, it, which took me away from my st being a stat for wrestling, but uh, it was a blessing. Um, Critchlow was another one who always, I mean, he always had something positive to say and you know I think he coached softball at the time which wasn't my gig but um, you know it was it was neat because there were so many teachers that were so involved with what we did aside from in the classroom and I mean Randy Quirum was my track coach always had a lot of good things to say about him obviously everyone knows Lots he's a great guy for Randy Quirum. yes and like I said Hevner my volleyball coach actually wasn't um, a teacher here she Cindy Ryland was really only here the four years I was here, which is interesting. <laughs> but um, she she actually, and I think I made this comment, you'll probably remember it from the Hall of Fame, when I came in my freshman year, when I had spent a lot of time with the Kim Goodens, my, who were my sister's friends, and Rosie Rodriguez, and, and a bunch of those uh, that were before me, that I would you know tug on their shirt to serve at me, or toss me a ball so I could hit, or anything like that. So I had been doing volleyball for so long, I was like, when I come in, I'm at least making JV and all that. And Cindy put me on frosh off, and I was pissed. <laughs> I was just like, what the heck is going on? So again, that ended up being a blessing in disguise because it just made me work harder to prove to her that I belonged on varsity. And uh, so I was fortunate you know, that I ended up getting on varsity my sophomore year and finishing out my career on varsity with all the sports. But um, I just felt like there was a ton of support from everyone here. I mean, from uh, 
gosh, Mr. Bame, I think was our principal. Um, and, you know, Miss Berryhill, Pam Kessler had coached my sister here, just everyone around the campus. And, and I call him Old Man Rice, but Dorrance Rice, you know, I had him for several math classes that you just felt the support and they were on your side. So it, it's hard to pick out one mm -hmm. because there were so many. Well, you've named my heroes. Growing up, I, I told them at the alumni um, event last year, I said, I, I just looking around, these living legends for me right. are my heroes. Yeah. Growing up, you hear stories about different celebrities or, you know, superheroes, movie stars. And growing up, my dad and my mom told me these stories about their teachers and their coaches, and they were my superheroes growing up. And to get to meet some of them for the first time last year at um, the Blue and Gold Gala that we had, okay. or to get to see them at the Athletic Hall of Fame, I'm still in awe of being in their presence. And I know that they are human and not perfect. And they're not as tall as they were in my <laughs> memories, apparently. Right. Um, but man, what a special time to be on campus and to be around experienced coaches with that legacy. I felt like they carry a legacy when they were on campus. Can't forget Drew Williams, yeah, who I mean, I grew up from being shorter than Tim Vanny. There you go, Tim. <laughs> um, to to you know, when I'm in high school and the, just watching what Drew had done with that high school team, I mean, he had the fire, and I'm sure still has. I mean, you hear him; he still has the fire, yeah. and he's he's another one. I mean, that's what I said. We were lucky, and I think that that greatness, um, that awesome, it's contagious. Yes, it's contagious in everything, whether it's athletics or academics or the arts. It's, it was just contagious, and I think that that legacy is just so important to remember. It is, and I find myself, I mean, you speak of legacy, and I find myself kind of disappointed with student athletes these days of not knowing the history of what they're doing. So for me, it's with volleyball, and the Flo Hymans, and the Debbie Greens, and the Paula Weisshoffs, and all the Olympians that came before them that they have zero knowledge of, really. Because when I was here, my coach Cindy took us to Fresno to watch the women's Olympic team play. And so Flo Hyman, who passed away from a, from a rare disease, was like 6'8". She was ginormous back in the day. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to go and see my idols play. And I actually now end up, I'm friends with the Paula Weisshoff and Debbie Green. And I kind of pinch myself. I'm like, these are people I grew up idolizing that were, you know, won a silver medal in the Olympics and won a bronze medal here. And just, so it's, it's what I've been working on to kind of extend that history and the legacy that I feel is important at the high school level, the college level, and at the at the international level is the fact that I'm collecting, I've had some already give me jerseys from when they played on the Olympic team and they autograph it and put the years they went to the Olympics and all that because with my office at school, I want to line the walls with all of that mm -hmm. so people can ask and I have pictures of it with them because I, of course, I'm a pack rat so I still <laughs> have all of my stuff from the 80s so I can find definitely find magazines that have pictures of these people yeah, yeah. to put with their uniform to say this is what they did and they were kind of a trailblazer as far as that goes of of uh you know just being stud athletes that that represented themselves in, in the U.S. which is kind of off topic here but still they're yeah. representing the U.S. in a great way so I remember going to the Fresno State Clinic for softball mm -hmm. I know that wasn't your sport and the United States team had just won the Olympics. And I got to meet Laura Berg cool. and some other Olympians too. And it was, it's just, 
amazing to get that opportunity, like you said, and to be close to that legacy makes you feel a part of it yeah. and helps you to cherish those female athletes, all athletes, but particularly female athletes that have broken barriers um, and have continued to blaze trails where, you know, the Kim Goodens yes. started those trails for us. Kim and Deanna and, you know, all those before me, because I look back at, you know, who was inducted before me, I was pretty honored. My, my college number was three, so being the third individual female inducted was kind of special to me. But I look back and I'm like, they were studs. And I, at the time, didn't realize the struggles they went through to even be able to, to do what they were doing. And so I, you know, I just got a, I was able to walk in to something that they had laid the groundwork for, which was really made it easier for me. While we're on this topic, how has volleyball or athletics in general, how has that changed since you were in high school? You, you're a very active coach, so you get to see it from a different perspective. But in your opinion, how have things changed for female athletics or athletics in general? Well, there are a lot more opportunities for, for women in sports. And again, not at the time when I was able to um, get or, or I took the scholarship, took the scholarship. <laughs> um, snatched not, yeah, it. Snatched it, whatever, <laughs> snaked it. Sorry, not sorry. Um, wait, wait, wait. What, what did Drew Williams say? The harder you work, the luckier, the luckier you get. So there you go. Absolutely true. Good, a, a perfect example, right? Um, oh, gosh, now I forgot our question. Okay, so our question was how have athletics or your sport in general changed? Right, right. right. So it's, it's nice because there are just so many more opportunities for um, everyone. I do think um, that the that the opportunities provided to the to the female side has improved immensely, um, and I, I love seeing. And I, I just ran into Haley Kelly, who's going to be playing in my conference against me, hmm, Rosie. Um, go, go Marauders! <laughs> right, um, but I think it's so neat that there there are just so many opportunities, and I think um, something that I, I appreciate, and I think a lot of the the younger student athletes appreciate is the fact that they're they they can go out and look for something and it doesn't have to be at the d1 level or the d2 level there's opportunities from jc up and you got to find what fits for you um, and i think that there's that provides a lot more um, for us um another question that i have for you is what is the biggest difference for you playing versus coaching <laughs> playing for me, okay, this is interesting because when I first started coaching at Pomona Pitzer, um, being Division Three, a little different. These I always laugh because I'm like, all right, I get it. You're smarter than me in the classroom, but when it comes to volleyball, you need to trust me. Playing for me was natural. It was an instinct. Um, so if Rubio or or Cindy or anyone said, I need you to try it this way or do something, all I did was see it and do it kind of thing. Um, there are a lot of questions asked now <laughs> student athletes that it's not quite as as easy for them um, and I say this because in my early years at Pomona Pitzer so I started there in 2000 I start my 20th year there next year one of my assistant coaches that I snagged from Laverne who's in our conference she was the 2003 division three player of the year little 5'8 outside from another small town of a Tascadero right but she could jump out of the gym the girl could grab the rim she just she was a stud, um, but I luckily got her to come and assist with me. And she's another one that is similar to me and that, you know, you just see and you do. Um, and so we're coaching and trying to explain things to the outside hitters since that's who I had her work with. And she'd come to me, she goes, Val, 
why aren't they getting it? And I'm like, Amy, they're not like us. They overthink things a lot, and that's, that's just how they're taught to do things now. Um, and so I think that's a big difference is they, they do overthink and they try to put too much into what actually needs to be done. And I, there are many times in a season that I will say stop thinking and just play because, um, because they, do, they try to be perfect about everything. And it's like you don't have to be perfect. Just reduce errors and make this little tweak and you'll be fine. So it's, I think it's a little more challenging because you do have to get them to kind of back off of what they're used to doing all the time. And build up that confidence too. Yes confidence in their ability that they can do it doesn't need to be perfect right. to be good you learn from errors I mean if you don't make errors you're not going to improve so I always especially in practice I'm like I don't care what it looks like right now if you made that error what do you do to correct it and maybe do something better the next time or make a better choice about a shot next time so it's it, it is it's always a learning process and it's an adjustment to being uncomfortable in the classroom, you are so comfortable with your skills and abilities, and then yes. to make that adjustment, like you're saying, you're uncomfortable. Yes. And how do you find confidence in being uncomfortable? I think would be hard. It's it is hard, um, but I think when you when I think something as coaches that um, my staff and I have really learned to kind of relax them a little bit by saying letting them know it's okay to make the error, so that they can actually kind of work on because sometimes you want them to figure out the corrections so if you're not putting as much pressure as like there's some consequence just because you're making errors of course there's those those drills but then there's also the teaching time where you're like okay don't care about the errors and so they feel a little bit more relaxed about being able to make the error and 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 go on from it and not not feel like it's going to be oh I have to go run or I have yeah, to do this yeah. yeah okay so this next I have two questions next so the first question is advice for future athletes or students that you might have and along with that what do you think students need in order to be successful at that next level or student athletes need to to do to be at that next level okay so what they're what is it what is advice advice for the future athletes I would think when you're if you're a student athlete looking for a place to go you need to find a place that's a great fit for you I loved my college time. I want that for my players. It is important that you go and visit places and meet the coaches, meet the team, things like that, to find out if it's a good fit for you because they aren't all. They are definitely not all going to be a perfect fit for you. So I think it's important that, that you're finding the combination that you want with the academ academics and the athletics. Um, it's four years of your life or more that that you're putting out there and um, and so I think uh, you have to make sure that it's the right decision all around. Um, I was one that I was lucky going to Bakersfield because I did still want my parents to be able to come and watch me play and and be a part of that and shoot they're still the team parents they come down <laughs> they come down for our Aww. we host an opening uh, weekend tournament every year and so they're still down cheering us on but it's uh, it has to be a good mix and I think um, as far as what they need to be successful is you have to stay on your academics. You can't you can't drop the ball with that. Um, it's important to, to make sure you're maintaining your grades and things. Um, but it's also maintaining the um, time management skills, communication. Communication is huge. Get off your phone and get eye contact and talk to people. Because as a coach, 
my door is always open for my players. I want them to come in and communicate with me. And if your face is buried in your phone all the time, you're losing that connection. And um, I know it's just part of technology today, but you have to find a way to kind of set that aside and, and create those bonds that you can get with people without a phone in your hand or in front of your face. And I know it's hard for people because you're just used to it. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that we survived with the phone connected to the wall. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. It's important to, to get that human contact, that just eye contact, and be able to communicate because communication skills are huge. And if you cannot get eye contact with someone and get your point across without texting it or writing it in an email, that's a problem. And uh, you have to find a way to be comfortable with doing those things um, in the real world, plain and simple. <laughs> I had someone tell me at another school I worked at, communication is the key to every good relationship. Mm -hmm. You have, like you said, you have to be able to tell somebody what you need or convey mm -hmm. your message somehow. So I totally yes. agree with that. Um, last question. You were recently inducted into the Menachee Athletic Hall of Fame. Congratulations on Thank that you. honor. And so my last question for you is, what does that honor mean to you? It's a family thing, right, at this point? <laughs> It is. Okay, so tell us maybe a little bit about that, and what does this honor mean for you and your family, and your mom and dad, your yes. biggest cheerleaders? Yes. No, it, it, it is quite an honor, and I was so, um, I actually think I cried when I opened the letter, to be honest. People who know me were like, oh, she, she actually is a big softie. Um, <laughs> I, my girls have the fear of me talking to them, but then they also know I'm human. Um, so it was an honor for me to be uh, inducted because I did put in a lot of hard work, and my parents did drag me around to everything. And it was at a time before, like, club volleyball was very big or NJB basketball stuff. So, you know, my version of playing club is I actually played on an adult league. In fact, others that I mentioned, I, um, Paula Zaninovich, Lori Merrill, Andrea might have played as well, that um, we played with our coaches in a women's adult league. I call it the old fart league because I have been <laughs> part of that as an adult. Yeah. Um, and you know, spending the hours going up to Vacaville to play in these, these tournaments all day and then coming back in the 80s was a lot different than the opportunities that are out there now. Um, and so it was really kind of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was, it, it, it just acknowledged the fact that I had put in all that work. Um, and so for me, it was really special to be able to have my family there, my mom and dad, my sister, my brother, my husband, who was also inducted last year. Um, and uh, it's, it's really special because they put in the time too. And they had to, you know, they were supportive of me and they're every step of the way. And it's just a really unique and neat honor. And I've had so many, my coach Rubio was, he, th he congratulated me, shot me a text and congratulated me on such an honor. And it's special. Uh, you know, Menachee always is going to hold a special place in my heart, and I think um, I always make comments about the Marauders and follow everything online, what I can. Um, I know there's some good kids coming out. Um, you know, there's other these, there's others alumni that, um, like Sarah Cox's daughter, Gabby, yeah, plays yeah. on the team. Mm -hmm. So I have high hopes for her with what she's doing. And actually my cousin, uh, Stacy Flynn, her daughter plays on the team. And... And so it's really just kind of neat for me to see the, the tradition continue. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is something I will cherish forever and, and it's uh, very special.
Well, thank you so much for joining us in studio today. And uh, we'll uh, catch you next year, maybe? If I'll be at the Hall of Fame. Yes, that's what we love to hear. Thank that's, you so that's much. That's part of the gig. Now it's an annual reunion. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Val. Thank you.